This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Report. Let's do the show, folks. Gum, gum, gum. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Star Wars Report Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton, and so glad you've tuned in this week. We have a uh, an unusual episode this week. It's a special long-form interview I did with friend of the show, Stephen Kent. We talk about the pol- political themes of Star Wars, uh, specifically contrasting the prequel trilogy to the sequel trilogy when it comes to the idea of redemption and the fall of the Republic and the rise of the New Republic and Resistance and... We delve a little bit in on uh, political extremism and, and, and just have a sort of heady, nerdy view at the world of Star Wars. It's a really fun conversation. Steven's a super knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy on this stuff, so have a great time talking to him. So without further ado, I'll toss it to, uh, to Steven. Oh, and, and a big shout out, of course, to everybody making the podcast happen. Uh, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report if you want to support the show directly. And we've got some really cool programming that we're going to be releasing uh, both here in the main feed and uh, as well as with uh, some plans for the Star Wars Tonight project and uh, some new exclusives we're going to be doing over at the Star Wars Report Patreon. So if you're interested, make sure you jump in and check out the bonuses that are available for you at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. And without further ado, let me throw it to uh, Steven. This is the Star Wars Report Podcast. John Williams is the man. All right, and coming back, uh, welcoming back to the Star Wars Report Podcast, it's uh, the one and only Mr. Stephen Kent from Beltway Banthas. Stephen, how are you doing, man? Good evening, Riley. Hello from Scarif. I know, right? I'm literally, I'm bugging him on his beach vacation, ladies and gentlemen, and he's still here. On the Star Wars Report <laughs> podcast, uh, I, I would never shirk my duties to the Star Wars Report. It's oh. nice to talk to you. No, absolutely, man. And and also, by the way, congrats on the uh, the relaunch of Beltway Banthas. Thank you so much. It's it's great to be back on air and talking about the politics of Star Wars. I'm having a blast already. Sweet. No. I, well, speaking of the t- uh, politics of Star Wars, so this is a bit of an experiment that we're doing on the program, um, and we have a couple of these coming up uh, in the in the works. But I'm glad to be kicking it off with you, Stephen, and that is to to open up some more opportunities to have kind of topical discussions. Uh, on the Star Wars report because we do like we love covering the news week to week and there's always something going on because there's always a billion yeah. project but what I realized and I was talking to to uh, our awesome producer uh, and co-host Bruce Gibson about it and that sometimes it doesn't leave as much room for just some of that fan discussion that I almost miss about the earlier days, the pre-Disney days, when there wasn't, you know, seven movies and three TV shows and 17 comics and two video games. It's yeah. like, it is, it's it's so easy to get caught into the, 
it's a lot harder to have topical conversations now because there's so much extra material. Everybody's on a different page, literally, about what they know. And before, we only had three movies to draw from and debate endlessly. Yeah. Uh, and and now you can be like, oh, well, you know, we can debate the themes of the Force Awakens, but you know, did you read the comic books that you know linked into the Force Awakens? You don't have all the information, sir. Uh, makes it a little difficult. <laughs> exactly. But uh, which is why and, and this kind of stems from some conversations you, have, you and I have had off air um, here and there. And I thought it'd be an interesting way to kind of bring in uh, one of these discussions. And I just wanted to talk to you about the the politics of Star Wars, because you're the guy to talk to about this. But specifically kind of take again, like kind of take a pause from all the stuff that's currently coming out and just kind of look at where Disney has gone and how they incorporate the political themes of Star Wars and 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 how that impacts the story versus what I think one of their most, besides Jar Jar Binks, stereotypical criticisms of the prequels, which is the way George Lucas uh, handled it. Um, and I thought I would just start with that kind of broad brush. What do you see as like the, the key differences as, as how Lucas handled um, the politics and the story of the prequels versus what we see now? Well, I think the key difference, and, and there are many, but I think the key difference is that George Lucas had a plan. Uh, and I don't mean that as a shot over the bow at Story Group or Disney or anything. It's just that George Lucas had a vision for Star Wars, and it was a, a sort of pre-written story that was going to go a certain way. And he was a guy with some ideology of his own, worldview of his own, and it was it was coherent. It was coherent and cohesive. Uh, Disney is making Star Wars via focus group. And I do believe that they got people in story group who are doing good work and sort of trying to connect the dots as best as they can. But they are trying to make a movie that is going to sell super well, where I think George Lucas was just trying to get his truth out there into the world. Um, And that was very much a sort of, um, uh, I guess, you would call it late late 20th century liberal uh, perspective on U.S. politics, and um, you know, coming up uh, from the hippie era. Yeah, you know, and I think that that sort of bled into all six of his movies, and in, in very large ways. Um, so I, I would say that it's that George Lucas had a plan, and you could sort of trace his ideology through those movies, and you can't so much with these new films. Well, and and how do you th- how do you see that? manifests specifically and i guess we can start with the prequels because when you talk about the politics of the prequels i think often the the temptation and and, and they're certainly there like i'm not denying the parallels to real world politics but there is a very sort of coherent political message that's interwoven through through the story Mm -hmm. so i mean are you are you asking you know what what about that is like specific with the with the messaging yeah because like yeah because george lucas had a very kind of very specific view of the world that plays through all of the star wars films but um how do you see that manifest itself in the prequels well in the prequels i mean i think that george lucas is just trying to tell the story um of, of how good intentions can spell disaster and i think he's specifically trying to tell that through the course Um, of democracy and you know what can go wrong 
you know, when good people are trying to do good things and they don't really think about the ramifications of those actions. Um, and that sort of, you know, if, if you ask me, like, what is the central theme of Star Wars? It is sort of the, you know, the whole road, to, the road to hell is paved with good intentions sort of thing. Um, and we all know some of the historical parallels that he was sort of drawing on the historical references, whether that was, um, you know, whether that was Germany or whether that was Rome. Um, but, you know, George Lucas sort of saw democracy as a powder keg. And I think in yeah. one of the most telling interviews that he gave to 60 Minutes, I believe it was, was mm. where he actually sort of expressed his his own favoring for the idea of a benevolent dictatorship. Um, which is funny because it's sort of one of those moments where you feel in a way like George Lucas is the Anakin in episode uh, two and three who just sort of wants someone strong and wise to guide the people and take them out of the pains of democracy. Because if there is one thing that is certain about democracy, it is that it is deeply painful and full of uncertainty. Uh, and I think George Lucas very much sort of values um, I don't know. I think vision and purpose and drive and is very much frustrated and was frustrated with politics in the early 2000s, particularly as we entered the era of Citizens United, unlimited money in politics, which you can sort of see seeping uh, into the prequel films as well. I think he just likes central leadership in a way. It's interesting because like, but it, it, I almost... And this is where I actually think sometimes the politics of the prequels are more nuanced than we like to believe because um, it's 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 literally Anakin pre Darth Vader pre villain of the universe that kind of talks about like well if only he like pontificates to Padme and Padme sort of mm -hmm. the the stand in I think for the con moral conscience of like well yeah but what if you you know who would that be and he's like I don't know me yeah. <laughs> I think I think George Lucas understood that tension and I think he understood that motivation by good actors to want to try to do great and bold things but then they sort of stumble into being monsters. Um, you know that kind of goes I think he I mean he he wrote and kind of talked about how you know Darth Vader is a father figure and sort of his own bouts with his his own father and a lot of that whole story between Luke and Vader was just sort of centered around George Lucas's antipathy for his own dad and then sort of realizing at a certain point that you become your father, you become <laughs> your parent. And, and it really is the same way uh, with political movements. When you are an insurgent political movement and then you end up with power, you end up kind of becoming uh, the people who came before you. And he knows that. It's sort of the fans that I think are the ones who gloss over this and how complicated it really is. Um, and that George Lucas, while he has a left-of-center point of view on Star Wars, or you know, he created it, he's a left-of-center guy, um, that he understood that people who try to do good things and change the world don't always just do it. Sometimes um, they become monsters along the way. Yeah, and I think that's 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 really the sort of becoming the monster along the way is the the operatic side uh, of the prequels, which I think oh, absolutely, it, and yeah. it ties it ties rather nicely, I think, to the political side. Like they kind of go hand in hand because the real story and tragedy of the prequels is the rise and is the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker. 
right? Yeah, it's, and, it, it's, and it can't it can't be overstated how much that is the most important thing of Star Wars. And you know, my entire my entire Star Wars podcasting life is based around the politics of Star Wars. But I, I like to try to remind people that this is a character first saga, regardless of how much I try to make it about politics. The politics are backdrop. The politics are inspiring to the series. But George Lucas is is making this about his characters. It's about Anakin Skywalker and a single individual. And sort of all the other materials or stuff that add to the context and make it more rich and make it more full and make it more interesting. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I do like to try to be honest when I say that, like, I really think it's a character-driven story. And, and I think George was clear many times that that's what he wanted it to be. And if you want to look deeper, the politics of Star Wars are there for you. Um, but, you know, he had a plan and it shows throughout his three movies. And I, I think my concern with where we kind of are is that, I don't know, it feels like every Star Wars movie right now is sort of being made in response to the last one, um, you know, checking how it sold, checking how it was reviewed and then adjusting the story accordingly, bringing on different directors back and forth. And you can sort of feel the scattered vision. Yeah. Well, and it's. And, and that plays, I think, across the whole movie, not just the the political world of it. But it's I, I, I want to kind of sink in our teeth into an example of where that the political side of the prequels ties into the operatic side. Of course, the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker, the guy, is tied to the rise and fall of the old Republic. And the first time, a reminder, the first time we hear about the old Republic, a, a, a political entity... It's not from the prequels. It's from the very original Star Wars film where Obi-Wan, you know, opines of the days for over a thousand generations. The Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. And so I think they're even for kids who grew up with the original films, that allusion to a former time, a, a time of. The, this sort of alluding to the the Greek representative republic or the Roman uh, republic, it's 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 right there even in the original films and and funny enough even though he's the subject of some consternation the the really the beginning of the end of the republic falls in this scene we'll take a little listen right here. In response to this direct threat to the republic, Misa proposed that the Senate. Give immediately emergency powers to the Supreme Chancellor. Yep, and then the famous speech. I love democracy. <laughs> I love the Republic. Do you? The power you give me, I will lay down when this crisis has abated. And there, and so, JK. It, and so it begins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> right there, you know, it's. It's the politics of, of good intentions. And, you know, listen, I, I never I never try to mask it with my own listeners in, in Beltway Banthas and anywhere else. I'm a libertarian. And so I I just sort of look and I, that clip in particular is just the naivete, I think, of people thinking that they can give up things that they're ever going to get back uh, in government. You know, you have to hold a strong line on certain rights and certain powers. Uh, and when you let things slip into the hands of, of people and government, it's just you never guarantee that you're going to get it back. And it's also a lesson about the politics of fear. 
Um, you know, the fact that people were just so afraid during the separatist crisis, just horrified at the idea that any systems would actually leave the republic and that they needed to be fearful of this. You know, demagogues prey on our fear all the time. I think yeah. everybody feels that uh, in our country right now. Yeah, and that's uh, that's and a pretty nonpartisan. Is, is dangerous. Yeah, it's a pretty nonpartisan part of politics, and it plays out in um, in the prequels very vividly. Oh, it does. It does. Um, you know, fear is the the beginning of the path to the dark side, and I think if there is a political lesson that runs most strong through uh, episodes one through six, uh, it is what fear can do in your own life to destroy who you are, and then also just people around you. And so you apply that to the body politic. Um, you know, fear is just the drug that makes everything go crazy. Um, you know, I, I guess you could you could touch on all sorts of examples from the post 9-11 era, um, you know, cracking down for way too much in our own our own society on things that, you know, happen incredibly rarely, acting like everything is an epidemic when things are actually rare outlier events. Um, you know, trying to craft societies where we feel safe all the time rather than being honest with people who live uh, in your society and saying like, hey, the world is dangerous and you can't make everything safe and secure 100% of the time. You know, Star Wars dealt with this. Star Wars touched on this directly. And it sort of just feels to me like a lesson that we always walk away from in Star Wars is that fear is the enemy. And mm. then we turn around on our own political bubbles and freak out about everything that they want us to be afraid of, mm. whether that's they want us to be afraid of yeah. terrorism. They want us to be afraid of our neighbor with guns. They want us to be afraid of immigrants. No, just live yeah. your life. <laughs> just live your life and try to be calm as I rant loudly, <laughs> yes. um, you know. <laughs> well, but it's interesting because, That's, like, um, kind of looking at the story itself, like that really is a pretty clear message from from Lucas, and I, and he came out of the time because like it's it's even and it's funny because like I don't like getting into current world politics because there's so much fear and anger wrapped into that. But just just rewind a little bit to George Lucas's story coming out of his time in Vietnam, mm -hmm. and. It, it you you see the sort of the the fears that were stoked, um and and the I, almost depression of society and filmmaking that that was why Lucas said hey I want to write a fairy tale for the next generation because there aren't any right now and yeah, um, but it's yeah. only going to be so much of a fairy tale he still wants to keep keep people grounded in the lessons that he wants them to take away yeah no it's true uh, and you and you mentioned it in brief phrase the safety and security that's where it really comes full circle let's uh, take a listen right here but I my resolve has never stronger Again, quite literally juxtaposing the death and destruction against. In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire. And secure. 
society. One hand, wait for it, and two hands. He's like, Palpatine's like, I am nailing this. He's so happy right this now. This is going great. He's so happy. And we also got to hear the sounds of Anakin removing money from politics. Great stuff. <laughs> I never thought about that. No. I I talk about it all the time. Anakin Anakin finally defeated Citizens right? United. Right? These corporations, <laughs> corporate greed. I Can I... All right, a little confession time here. Let me uh, step into the old Star Wars Report confessional. I always felt a little sorry for um, Newt Gunray there. It's like, no. No, I mean, you, 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 can, uh, you can buy it for sure. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess Newt Gunray I don't feel as bad for because we see throughout three movies how just scummy he is. Um, but you know, they're, they're separatists, uh, who, you know, were really invested in that movement, thought they were doing a good thing and, you know, yada, 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 new gun ray. Eh, I don't know. The banking clan will sign the treaty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, so we kind of, we, we, we sort of, uh, I guess, uh, that's a good foundation to kind of set up. Uh, and I know you kind of alluded to the comparison, but it's interesting that, uh, politics, I think were kind of pushed to the back burner a little bit, certainly in the force awakens. Oh, I, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, the fact that the entire New Republic was decimated and blown to smithereens without any sort of backdrop to explain exactly what that body is, how it works, who put it together. And, you know, you'd have to find out in the books that Leia actually served in the New Republic um, and is currently like a rogue sort of resistance uh, general. Um, who's been sort of watchdogging the First Order as they rose in the Outer Rim. You know, you just don't get any of that. And you also don't understand where the First Order came from. And listen, like casual fans, you know, just people who don't watch Star Wars every weekend and they just go and the movies come out. I can't tell you how many people thought that the movie was picking up where the last one left off and this was The Empire. And I had to explain to people like, uh, no, there's actually are different stormtroopers. And they're like, well, why did their mask change? And I go, because they're not the Empire. They're like, but they're stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, it's, and that's, that's where you just kind of have to beat your head against a wall because you don't know whether or not they got overruled internally on, hey, we need to keep stormtroopers going on the toy shelves because, you know, that's Star Wars. Hmm. Or yeah. if, they really, if they really had a principled case for why stormtroopers needed to be the the brand of soldier in the first order but the reasons if you get into the details which i think the story group does a good job of cleaning up is why there are stormtroopers why there are these sort of imperial or neo-imperial people roaming the galaxy it's super interesting but none of that is in the movies yeah well and the 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 other aspect i think that it gives birth to is and i think this is more clearly the part than the background of the politics or how things are actually functioning um is the the elements the radical elements like because they do talk about how the resistance is kind of they're not really approved yeah Uh, they're considered they're they're way too fear-mongering they're worried about the first order they're not willing to negotiate but then we also see like the first order is is no I mean, it's it's almost like worse than the Empire, more radical, less capable, I, well, yeah, but more I, radical. I think they absolutely are. And so here is where 
I would say that you know that that the Disney era has something really really right about the politics of today, which is that we are sort of in this moment uh, where the the 20th century look of politics, you know, yeah. uh, communist versus fascists and uh, democracy, you know, capitalism versus communism, stuff like that, like all those sort of old paradigms are sort of breaking down and new things are forming, and some of them are much more radical and much more scary. Um, and if you look at the, the new movies, it is a chaotic world. Um, it's it sort of, it feels sort of terroristic in a way. Uh, and I, I think that definitely feels like Star Wars based truly in the mature years of the war on terror. And the, the, the first order in many ways echoes sort of a, a rogue nuclear regime, Iran, North Korea, yeah. mm-hmm. but they also sort of have the terroristic elements I think of 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 white nationalist movements uh, very much so. I think that they are definitely sort of neo fascists, um, and they're they're very scary and they're very unpredictable. And I feel like that's the era that we live in, mm. where we're not talking about state power versus state power. We're talking about um, terror groups, yeah. um, and it's it's just unpredictable. Well, and and that kind of and that kind of violent struggle. Um, the state versus state, the 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 will of a nation versus the will of a nation. Um, I mean, there's. I, it, it's interesting because I, I and this is just Riley's worldview, but like you see, evil manifest in both eras, like the world, mm-hmm. the world wars versus the radical non-state um, actors. Now you see evil manifest, and and that doesn't change, and that's in society and culture and storytelling hasn't changed. But you're right. There's something specific about the time we're in, and 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 Disney is has, is reflecting this in this uh, films. To I think their credit, I think it it resonates more. It's why I think the First Order to me, as much as people like make jokes about Kylo Ren, you know, being yeah. a fussy brat and that sort of thing, like I really think that's the most interesting part of the First Order. Like the idea of even just visually, you can see the sort of steady imperialist officer from the old empire and captain canada on the bridge in the mm-hmm. last jedi and his wits about him and then you sort of just see this this the chaotic sprites who aren't as well trained and just like really passionate but you know don't know well, what they're you doing know, they're not as well trained and they're really just there because their daddies were imperial officers and they're just mad that they ended up getting tribunaled or something after the end of the original war yeah they're just a bunch of silver spoon rich kids who are just mad that the empire fell apart and they don't have a galaxy to rule uh, in this sort of new order. They feel like they were robbed of something when the empire fell and the new republic rose. And look, I think that that is what is important about the politics of the new movies as much uh, as in the backdrop as they are, is that these new movies remind us that things come back. You know, evil is never truly dead. Um, these movements that you think died in the 20th century, they're not dead. Uh, you've got, I mean, look, I mean, just this past weekend in Portland, you have commies and fascists fighting in the streets with clubs and bricks. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, you, you would think that we are living in the 1930s, but we're not. We're living in 2019, and after sort of 50 years of peace and quiet uh, from these fringe political movements, they're back. And it is I think it's just really interesting timing that Star Wars is back at this time um, and they're sort of telling us the same thing 
um, you know, that the empire can rise again. And it's really chilling stuff. And I think it just should make us all feel yeah. um, vigilant. You know? Well, for sure. I mean, and that's not it's not even just in the movie itself. J.J. Abrams um, in a Time magazine interview in 2015 talked about, quote, just uh, straight from him. Um, this all came out of conversations about what would have happened if the Nazis all went to Argentina, but then started working together again. What could have been born of that? Could the First yeah. Order exist as a group that actually admired the Empire? Uh, could the work of the Empire be seen as unfulfilled and Vader be seen as a martyr? And that, to me, is a real opportunity for Rise of Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you see the, the work of Vader is unfinished, that undoing the work of Vader, undoing the Empire, is what the initial Rise of Skywalker was all about. So uh, Yeah, and I don't want to get out ahead of you and, and kind of say what I want to see oh, in the Rise of Skywalker. I, I think that's a great um, way to kind of like put a pin in it, is this kind of like look ahead to the, the Rise of Skywalker coming out here soon. Yeah, I mean, what I want to see, just focusing on the politics and sort of the message that we've touched on here, is that there has to be an awakening uh, within the First Order and within Kylo Ren about the great lie about what the Empire was and who the First Order really is. You know, Finn is the first person to wake up in the whole series or in the entire new trilogy. He wakes up from brainwashing as a stormtrooper. And realizes who he really is. And frankly, it's going to be a huge mistake, in my opinion, if the if the Resistance or you know Ray and Jedi that they just they beat the First Order, that they annihilate them. That completely uh, removes the fact that those soldiers are brainwashed. (laughs) You know, like those soldiers are brainwashed. The only way for this to end, this cycle of violence and these rise of like new hateful groups to end is for them to wake up and be shown the truth. And so Kylo, I think he needs to meet Anakin Skywalker. I really want the Hayden Christensen Mm. comeback. I want to see that force ghost. Yes, I do. I want to see that force ghost. And I want someone to tell Kylo Ren he was lied to, right? Like, how can he he live in this lie about Darth Vader when Anakin could come back and tell him that it's all a crock? Hey, bro. (laughs) Hey. Uh, I know, right? BT dubs. like that would be really, really cool. And and frankly, if we are in the world now where we're sort of acknowledging the prequels again, thank the Force, then yes, Hayden Christensen should be brought back in, Force Ghost in, Skype with Kylo Ren, and sort of tell him something about, I don't know, this you know this Empire and this this Darth Vader that he thinks he knows, mm. um, and tell him the truth. And for the stormtroopers and you know these guys in the first order, you know the huxes and the leaders at the top, they need that to be really, taken out. Dude, but the sto- the stormtroopers, it has to be an internal rebellion. The only yeah. thing that can destroy the first order and empire for generations to come is for the first order to undo itself. Jeez, you and it, that op- that opens two, I think, equally interesting story opportunities because you have then that's Kylo's chance to one embrace. Uh, embrace darkness and even embrace the sort of cynical Obi-Wan who had given up that that indeed Anakin Skywalker killed Vader and that he hates Anakin because if he's facing Anakin he can look at him as yeah. one the true version of Vader redeemed or he can see him as the 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 murderer of Vader and and <laughs> the both sellout. Of, the, right but I think both of those are like 
equally interesting because one, he really truly becomes the the villain, um, and the other kind of exposes kind of what we've been talking about of like how you actually get to the root of of this kind of evil. Which I I mean I, I'd be about that. You've listen, you've got me sold. I'm gonna write it down, and if Rise of Skywalker isn't exactly like it, I'm complaining on Reddit. Yep, I'm gonna leave a bad review. As That's well. exa- a bad Yelp review. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Steven, thank you so much for coming on the Star Wars Report. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and some I, I'm, more interesting conversations just like this uh, about the, the politics of Star Wars. Yeah, well, you can tune into the Beltway Banthas podcast. That's Beltway, like, you know, the highway that goes around any major city, Beltway Banthas podcast. And we talk about the politics of Star Wars, myself and any guest host. And we also interview politicians, mainstream media figures, and more about their Star Wars fandom. You can find us on Twitter at Beltway Banthas and myself at Stephen underscore Kent 89. My DMs are open for all your hate mail. So I look (laughs) forward to it. Um, Yeah, let's chat about politics. It'll be fun. No, one of my favorite things, Stephen always brings in people with very, very different politics, but they all usually have very interesting things to say about the world of Star Wars, and that's okay. So that's one reason I love Beltway Panthers. So check it out. It's available. We'll have the links in the show notes. And, of course, uh, Stephen, uh, what's your Twitter handle again? People can find you on Twitter, right? (laughs) Yeah, Stephen underscore Kent 89 underscore 1089 we'll uh, again we'll link to everything uh in the show notes for this episode and if you're listening to this on pretty much any major podcast app you can see that right in the notes of the podcast um steven until next time may the force be with you sir master blanton may the force be with you where is Padme? is she safe is she all right it seems in your anger you killed her She was alive. I felt it. The boy you trained, gone he is. There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. Then my father is truly dead. Now, young Skywalker, you will die. You're coming with me. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. 
You are ready. You are right. You are right about me. Tell your sister. You are right. Master, do you believe you are the chosen one? How can I know? I can tell you what I believe. I believe you will bring balance to the Force. That you will face your demons and save the universe. Remember your training, Anakin. Trust your instincts. You will find another way. <laughs>